You can't go out playing golf having fun. Fun, senor, you have obviously never played wing foot. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. You've got to be kidding me, Vegas. I'm on night. There's my picks for this week. Now, if you want next week's picks, I can give you those by Friday. Hello, everybody. It is time for week two of the NFL season, and Wingfoot is back to bring you the locks. Greg Hoyle practicing his goldfish mentality this week after a rough start in the opener. Greg, anything you'd like to say for yourself? You promised me uh, no video, so I didn't bring my paper bag with some holes cut out for the eyes, um, so I left that upstairs. I like that. But in spirit, you were wearing the paper bag this week. I appreciate that. Yes. I And, and what I can also say is I, I can uh, I can have the short memory span because I feel like a decent amount of the handicap was correct. So I'm not super upset and I'm already going to change my philosophy here. You guys are going to see going with a team total over instead of taking the whole over in and of itself. So we're going to, we're going to learn from our mistakes. I like that. I, we got to learn from our mistakes, but uh, I hope that we stick to our principles. I have to start this show by giving a shout out to Chris Portente, the Wingfoot lock of the week on Instagram. Uh, last week, he had the chiefs minus three and a half told you to buy the two points down. If you go read a synopsis there, he'll tell you why it was like Nostra fricking Damas the way the Chiefs ended up winning that game, uh, and he ended up covering the spread. He told you what was going to happen before the game even started. It was quite impressive. Uh, I'm just going to say that. So go check it out. The Wingfoot Lock of the Week will be posted, uh, I believe, Saturday. That will be coming for his Chris Portente's Game of the Week. But with that, let's jump right into the Week 2 action here. Uh, we've got the Thursday night game going on in the background, so we're not touching that one. I want to start this week with the Buffalo Bills. Greg, I think that both of us were a, a little surprised that Pittsburgh pulled the outright upset. I think we were talking a little bit about Pittsburgh maybe covering the spread prior to last week's show, but did you take anything away from Pittsburgh going into Buffalo and winning outright in that game? Um, not, I mean, the, the question that I asked you was, um, you know, a little bit of did Buffalo look bad or did that Pittsburgh defense look good? Um, so I'm, I'm interested to continue watching them because I just didn't, I didn't see anything that Pittsburgh was doing. I paid more attention to the first half. Right. So I was pretty surprised when they came back and, and, you know, took the lead and held the lead. So they looked pretty inept the first half and, and, you know, I think just started to figure things out and, and Buffalo didn't really change anything that they were doing, I guess, um, when they couldn't score on Pittsburgh. So I, you know, surprising outcome um, at the same point, I, I think, you know, I'm interested to see how, Pittsburgh is going to bounce back. I think they have a pretty good cupcake or not bounce back. Um, Follow you know, it potentially up. Potentially win again. But I think they have a good situation here getting Vegas off of the Monday night game that went into overtime on short rest, traveling to the East Coast. So I think Pittsburgh's in a, a good situation where Buffalo's got a bear of a situation going down to, uh, you know, the swamp down in Miami and, and having to, uh, yeah, deal with the heat 
um, we'll see if they can they can recover on the road. Yeah. Well, when you look at the game between the Steelers and the Bills, I think the the difference in the game came down to a blocked punt that was returned for a touchdown uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers there. Otherwise, it was, I thought, a pretty even game. And I thought there were one or two times that Sean McDermott actually overthought the situation. They had a flea flicker in there, which I think was on a it was a third or fourth and short. I can't remember right now, but uh, it looked like the running back would have been able to easily take it for the first down there. And I think got a little too cute at times there. That being said, I am on the Buffalo bills this week and it is a square play. It's three and a half right now down in Miami, but I'm going to tell you why. First of all, Miami comes away with a win in new England, which if you look at the situation that game, I think new England fumbled the ball four times, including trailing 17, 16 with about three minutes left inside Miami's 10 yard line. They're going in for the game winning field goal or touchdown in that situation. The other thing is Tua looks as bad as I think we thought he was. And he still came away with a win. There were about three balls in that game that I saw him throw up for grabs. One of which went Miami's way, uh, one which fell just incomplete. And the other one, which ended up getting picked off by new England. It looks like he panicked in several situations there I do not believe that the Miami Dolphins have faith in him, which is why we're hearing about all the trade rumors for Deshaun Watson and him going down there. And I think they were lucky to come away with a win in that situation. If they lose that game, Greg, what's what do you think the spread is in this one? If Buffalo and Miami both have lost bigger, <laughs> bigger is uh, one way to go on that there. I know they're going to be dealing with the heat. I think it's uh, 88 degrees is what they were calling for down in Miami. Uh, about 75% humidity, but I actually don't think that that is going to be as much of a disadvantage for the Buffalo bills as you might think, because they haven't come to the cold weather. I think it's more of a disadvantage to go play down in Miami when you've got to go from the cold in Buffalo to the hot Miami, hot, humid Miami weather in that like November type time. It's been, I've been checking the weather reports in Buffalo and it's been in the seventies pretty much. Uh, for the most part there. So it's not going to be as big a change going down to Miami, I don't think, in this one. And then finally, I think that the the Bills are going to open it up. I think people forget how good Pittsburgh's defense was last year before all of the injuries started to pile up for them. They are very talented, and they added Melvin Ingram, which we talked about a little bit in week one. So I think that Pittsburgh's defense was a little underrated. I think Miami's defense at this point might be a little overrated. Yes, they had held the Patriots to 16 points, but it was a rookie quarterback making his debut last week. And I think you need to factor that in as well. So when you put this all together, I think Buffalo is more like the team we expected this season. Yes, it is a division game. It is hard to win on the road, but I think that they're able to go in there to Miami to get the job done especially with Miami coming off a division game in week one as well. I will lay the three and a half with the Buffalo Bills. I think Josh Allen gets back on track this week. Can I make a comment that um, I, now I don't disagree with you that Tua is still not looking great, but I think it's funny that um, his jump balls are jump balls, right? Versus like when Fitzpatrick's doing that, it's adorable and he's a gunslinger, right? Yeah, but it's not even it's not even that his balls were jump balls, right? Like he wasn't even throwing them deep. Like if you look at some of the throws, look at the one that was picked off because there were two more throws like that and it'll be the easiest to find. He's like in, in trouble, getting sacked, going down, like throwing it 
across his body. It's just terrible. And it's like the, the defender and the wide receiver, it should have been picked off the first time. It went off the defender's hands, off the wide receiver's hand, and, and then into the defender's hands again. Um, but there were three throws like that, right? Like if you keep throwing the ball, it's one thing if you do it once. It's one. It's another thing if you throw it deep down the field where it's like a punt, worst right. case scenario. Yep. I'm talking these are like throws between 7 and 15 yards that the guy's making. And the other thing you look at there is he wasn't even able to connect with Mike Kosicki, which I think is a little problematic. I think he's going to have trouble. Con- and you know, we know the Patriots take away your best weapon. And so that's something to look out for. But I think something I, I think the Bills are going to do the same this week. And if that offense struggles, uh, if he doesn't have Gesicki as a security blanket, I, I think that's just going to be um, uh, that's going to be the recipe for disaster for Tua once again. Yeah, definitely. they win in spite of him. See, that's the thing that I think people people understand because it happened last season a couple times where his yards per pass were just abysmal or his completion percentage was abysmal. And yet the Miami Dolphins continue to win. That can only last for so long. And I think we're just talking about a different tier of team in the Buffalo Bills. So yeah. uh, I think that they go down here. And you know what? Everybody likes to panic after week one. Um, but let's not forget the Pittsburgh Steelers were 11-0 last season and they made the playoffs. Uh, yes, they struggled down the stretch, but they were dealing with a lot of injuries. They were a very good team, though. And also, let's not forget, in a game that Miami needed to make the playoffs last year, they got absolutely decimated in Buffalo. Who was the quarterback for that one? Tua Tagovailoa. And they you can't need a game more than that. They needed to win to make the playoffs, and they got blown out. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Buffalo takes this one handily again. Any other comments before we move on? Nope. All right, Greg, you were on the Minnesota Vikings last week. As they went in to face, as I called them, the mighty Cincinnati Bengals. It took overtime, but the Bengals ended up coming out on top here. You're going to go back on the Vikings again this week as they head to Arizona. This time they're getting three and a half points. Why are you on the Vikings yet again? Going back to the well. Mike Zimmer, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take another another crack at Mike Zimmer. It's it, it's always devastating when you're sitting there cheering for a push, right? Uh, that's like the worst <laughs> feeling. You're, you're, you know, hoping that you don't lose money um, and just, you know, basically waste your entire bet. But uh, that's the situation Minnesota was in. I didn't think they, they never really got the, the run game um, going. I think they need to establish that. Um, I thought, I don't really think it was Arizona's, defense looking that good i think it was tennessee's offense was just out of whack and not ready with the new offensive coordinator that's why i you know i kind of kicked myself for that because i mentioned the offensive coordinator last week you could have seen that coming that there's a little bit of rust um so minnesota i thought their offense looked pretty good um and i think they're going to keep it close right i'm getting what what do you have here for the line? I've seen it between two and a half, three, three and a half. I see um, it at three and a half right now. Vikings plus three and a half. Right. So I think I got a lot of a lot of hype on the Cardinals, and then I get an extra kicker there. I think at three and a half. I have no idea what the look ahead line was, but it you know probably was you know two and a half, three um, at the most. But um, I didn't think the Vikings looked terrible, and I thought the Cardinals looked good. Um, but I'll, I'll take the three and a half points in, in this situation, Zimmer cousins, the Vikings establish the run, get back on the right track. Did you hear 
Taylor Luan's comments after he gave up five sacks to Tan- to Chandler Jones. I, I did not. What did he say? So there's a couple things. First, he he basically said he was garbage uh, and said thank you to Chandler Jones for exposing me. But the other thing that came out, which I thought was really funny, was he was on a podcast uh, in the off season it was or before the 2020 season, which he missed most of. This was his first game back after some time off. Um, but he he had said he had talked about another guy giving up five sacks there. Uh, and he said, you think after the third sack, they'd start chipping the guy and helping him out. And then it's very funny to see him come back after being very critical uh, of another offensive lineman and giving up all those sacks. So uh, obviously, I think Ryan Tannehill would have appreciated a little bit more protection there. You know, you said they didn't get the run game going, the Minnesota Vikings. Um, they ran Devlin Cook had uh, Devlin Cook had 20 carries in that one for 61 yards. Um and I, I don't know what to make of that from a, a Cincinnati standpoint. I, I do think, was it last year, Greg, or two years ago that the Cincinnati Bengals uh, played the Seattle Seahawks in the opener and they only lost the game by one point? I think it was last year, although it might have been two. Um, but they've played games tough, you know what I mean, to open the season. And, and I think that game, look, I like Joe Burrow and I think they're going to be much improved, but they're not going to be great this season, in my opinion, the Cincinnati Bengals. So um, I think I take it with a grain of salt early on in the season. I think, remember, this league is played. It's it's set to be a 500 league, <laughs> right. uh, which I think is, is very interesting. So that being said, I wouldn't be surprised if they go down there and, you know, I seeing them win is hard, in my opinion, to it, the Vikings, but because they always find a way to muck up a game at the end. It really, it really is hard, but um, I think that this one, I do think that the three and a half is a little bit too much here. Wouldn't it be surprised if it was one? I was trying to find the look ahead line for you. Unfortunately, I can't find it right now, but I thought I had seen it earlier. Did you I find see it? Him, I could see him winning it out, right? Cardinals, here we go. You could see them winning it outright. Man, that's a big, that's a big leap in my eyes. Three turnovers, six sacks, and allowing 3.9 yards per play against that Tennessee Titans team. That's going to be interesting. Sorry, I'm typing uh, a little loud here. No worries. All right, that's all I have to say about the Vikings. Anything else you want to add before we go? Nope. All right, you mentioned the team total. Uh, because you're going to learn from your mistakes. The uh, Cardinals and the Titans were about a point or two away. You needed a field goal going into the fourth quarter. And of course, that game was scoreless in the fourth quarter. Uh, I, I'm sure the frustration was felt throughout the uh, Hoyle household there. But this week, we're learning from the mistakes. So you have a total that you like in Tampa Bay and Atlanta. What are you going with there? Yeah, we're going to go with um, Tampa over 32 and a half, right? Obviously, they look good Thursday night against the Cowboys who don't have a particularly good defense. Um, They're on extra rest, right? Atlanta's defense did not look good at all. And their offense, um, you know, basically got totally stopped by 
you know, Philadelphia, who we didn't really know what to expect out of their defense, right? All the word is that Tampa's got one of the top defenses, right? So there's a couple of different ways you could play it. I don't want to do the team total under on Atlanta because their offense is still supposed to be the strength of that team. You would think that if I'm thinking that Atlanta is going to go, you know, under or close to under, why not just take the spread? Uh, it's, you know, when you say, you know, stick to your principles, I'm not trying to grab any 12 and a half and 13 point spreads. So I'd rather just, you know, grab me over 32 and a half, right? Um, you know, common numbers, 34, 35, um, I think are very feasible. And I think that can get done in, you know, three quarters. Um, yeah, like you know, like you saw Atlanta put up when, or I'm sorry, Arizona put up when you when you thought their defense was going to go nuts. Um, so I'm just really going to pick on the good offenses, and instead of going on the total, right? I think looking at the team total when you're more confident in one side versus the other is the way to go. So over 32 and a half, I think that the Tampa offense is just super dynamic and they've got a bunch of different places to go. Not even just talking about the three wide receivers, Gronk scores two touchdowns that first game, even though the running backs don't like dazzle you they're too, uh, Ronald Jones and Fournette are both, you know, efficient. They, they can run the ball. Uh, and I also think that he's going to start peppering. It's going to take like two more drops by Fournette or <laughs> Jones. And you're going to see um, Giovanni Bernard in that James white role. Um, so I'm, I, I, I'm just very high on this Tampa offense. Um, and, and, you know, obviously Dallas is an, an easy way to start, um, but <laughs> Atlanta is an easy way to follow that up. Well, I think it's worth pointing out that the Buccaneers have now scored 30 or more points in eight consecutive games. Ooh, that's pretty impressive. That's a, that's a nice nugget. Eight consecutive games dating back to last season. And that includes, so they beat the Falcons twice in that stretch. I was looking it up 31, 27 in the game where the Falcons led 17, nothing at half. And then two weeks later, they won 44 to 27 in Tampa. Now, you're clearly familiar with this team. You're getting the extra rest. I'm with you on this one. The one thing that I will say is that how many turnovers? Th was it three turnovers the Eagles forced against, uh, against the Falcons? Ooh, I, do I don't. I don't have that. I thought you were going to go with Tampa's turnovers. I, I was going to talk about turnovers the, in general. Yeah, so, against the Cowboys because so, they were just they were giving the ball um, well, away. I want to, so I want to talk about that for a second because all turnovers are not created equal, and I think we mentioned this briefly, you and I, in a previous discussion. But Tom Brady had two interceptions, which are going to go against him on the stat sheet at the end of the year. Those two interceptions, one of which was a Hail Mary heave right before the half that amounted to nothing, and the other one was a pass that he put right on the hands of his receiver on a screenplay to Leonard Fournette that should have gone for about 30 yards because he had blockers set up in front of him, but Fournette couldn't catch the ball. It goes off his hands and gets intercepted. So I look at this, right, and I look at those two interceptions thrown by Tom Brady and compare them to the one interception thrown by Tua, right? And, like, those are not equal. Tua should have had three interceptions. He had three balls that he threw up there. He had no idea where they were going and comes away with one interception. Brady has a meaningless interception the other half and another one that should have been a completion for, you know, 
a, a large gain. And, and that's what you got to look at, I think, inside, inside the numbers here when it comes to these turnovers. So one, the Falcons need to not turn the ball over if they're going to have any chance in this game. But I don't see that happening because I think that w- the Tampa Bay defense is going to be very upset about all the points that they gave up against the Cowboys. And I think they just saw that Philly's defense kind of caused some havoc, especially in the front against that Falcons team. Uh, And I think we could see a lot of the same this week. And now you're talking about a much more potent offense in Tampa Bay who has more time to repair, prepare. Uh, And I, I can't see them keeping it under. I mean, look, 31 was the least they gave up to them last year. So I I don't see that happening at a time when they've got more time to prepare. And again, they're home in this one. So I'm with you on that one. I will, I will, I will back the bucks over the 32 and a half. Um, it means a lot Falcons. to me, Joe, that you're going to back one of my picks after the the abysmal uh, out of the gate. I, I, I'm I'm touched. Well, I should say for I mean we're both on the under tonight on the uh, the Giants and and the the Redskins. So or I'm sorry, the Washington Football Team. So it, it's not you know the the right picks the right pick. Even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> you compare me to a broken clock. All right, let's move on then, because I will have a foot and mouth disease week, I'm sure, if I keep talking. Let's look at the Indianapolis Colts as they host the Los Angeles Rams, who looked absolutely great on Sunday night, completed the second half of our teaser. The Colts are home getting three and a half points in this one. And Greg, I want you to recount the stat that you gave me just before we came on the air here about teams who lose in week one and are six point or less uh, and are underdogs in week two. Yeah. 63%. This is, this is from our buddy dragon 63% on this one 57 and 33 against the spread is that week one um, losers that are dogs of six points or less in week two are 63%. ATS. So I love that. Now I'm just looking at a couple factors. I didn't know that going into this, but I'm going to look at a couple factors that make this even better in my mind. The Rams are coming off the late night game on Sunday out on the West coast, going East for a one o'clock game. The Colts were home last week. Yes. They lost to Seattle, but they get to stay home here. And so there's a little bit of desperation there. And I like one more week for Carson Wentz. Uh, with that team. Now, I also like the over of 63 and a half yards rushing for Jonathan Taylor in this one. The reason for that is the Colts fell behind pretty early. I believe they were down 28 seven at one point to Seattle last week. And so they had to come back. So they kind of abandoned the run a little bit. Still, they fed Jonathan Taylor. I think he had 16 carries in this one. Looking ahead, the Rams gave up 108 yards rushing to David Montgomery on the ground. That was just on 17 attempts. So if you feed Jonathan Taylor the ball, I think behind that offensive line, which is we know is very good over in Indianapolis, that this could be a big day for Jonathan Taylor. Also, the fact there were two fourth and ones in that game against Seattle 
that I think were just Carson Wentz, I guess, forgot how to what he was doing on a, one of those plays at the very least. But those it's were big a, swings in it, the game. It's actually what he does. Uh, well, all right. Not to, not to be too negative on, uh, you know, my previous boy there, but my man fumbles. It, it does happen. It does happen. And we also saw them play a big role. But I think this is a little bit of a letdown. All of the Matthew Stafford hype uh, uh, of him being MVP now after he threw a couple deep balls in in Los Angeles all of a sudden. Like, he hasn't been throwing deep balls his entire career. He did look uh, pretty darn good. I mean, yeah, he did. But it, it it is nice to see him play for a team that doesn't suck. Like, I'm happy for him. Yeah. Well, the one thing is I think... I don't think he's he's clearly not as mobile as Russell Wilson, right? And so Russell Wilson was able to extend some of those plays that touchdown to Tyler Lockett was a play that he extended there. Um, I think that this Colts defense is very good. I don't think they stood up. I don't think the numbers bared out in in week one. Um, I think with the it's just a good spot for them. And look, plus I get the hook at home if this is a close game and the Rams end up winning by a field goal. I'll take the three and a half. I just love the Colts in this spot. Uh, despite Carson Wentz, Greg, despite Carson Wentz, I think the Colts cover in this one, um, I wouldn't be surprised if they win it outright. Hey, man, e- easy to uh, get over the X when you when Jalen Hurts is looking that good, right? In, in week one, again, again, Against everybody, Atlanta. we're crowning Super Bowl champions in week one. God, I love, <laughs> I love the NFL. I love overreaction Monday. Usually I thought by uh, decompression Thursday, we can, we can look ahead and have a more reasoned view, but yeah, I'm just talking about the first place Eagles. (laughs) No big deal. The only team to get a win in the NFC East, might I add. Right. Oh man. In true NFC East fashion, it's surprising they didn't all lose. Yeah. Well, Greg, I know you were upset. You didn't get to mention either of your teasers here uh, on, on the show last week. Um, especially because they were winners. Uh, so I'm going to let you start, and we're going to go two two-team teasers for you this week. We've each got one for you, both talking about different teams. So you can open it up, Greg. Uh, yeah, so and we switched it up a little bit, so it's going to be a six-and-a-half-pointer <clears throat> to create a um, just a non-round number. We're going to go under in the Jets-Patriots game, right, two rookie Pardon me. <clears throat> Two rookie quarterbacks going up against. I mean, obviously the Patriots defense is very stout, uh, and Robert Sala. Um, I think the defense is going to be the redeeming quality for the Jets this year. So if you're looking at under 49 and a half for that game total, um, that's why we do the six pointer. I, I'm seeing at 43 right now. So if I go six and a half, it gets me up to 49 and a half. Not that I think you'll need that extra half point, but it, you know, it obviously doesn't hurt. And then the, um, the Pittsburgh Steelers, I mentioned earlier, they get a really good situation here in week two where they get Las Vegas on short rest going across the country. That's a brutal, um, schedule that they did for them after playing Monday night football. Um, plus it went over time, right? First game of the year, the guys are going to be, you know, probably extra sore um, going into that. So I love Pittsburgh just to win. Um, and I think that'll be the the two team tease for me. Have we ever, did we get to the bottom of why there was only one Monday night football game this year? Because I, I really, I need that, that solved. Maybe we can, uh, 
ask some of our viewers to to look into that and, and send us a little note because that's a well, mystery listeners, to me. listeners is the word you're looking for uh and no i didn't but uh i other than the nfl schedule makers i'm sure just deciding that they didn't want to do that anymore i'm sure it comes down to tv ratings that west coast game probably didn't get great tv ratings in the second half of the doubleheader uh well you know if I get a vote, I love me some, you know, double dip on the first Monday night. And I love my UK games for 9am kickoff. Oh yeah. No, no, no. We all like the, the, the breakfast, you know, and, and football, there's nothing like that. That's what the West coast gets to experience all the time. So yeah, I wouldn't like that all the time, but you know, the rare treat. Yeah. It's, it is nice, but I need a, I need a Tuesday off then if I'm going to have a double Monday nighter. Well, I take Tuesday off, Tuesday, Wednesday off day. When you, I mean, Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, man, that's when we get back to the Food Network and uh, you know streaming. Got to watch our 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 Ted Lasso. Look at you, man. Look at you. No, I don't mean from football. I just mean off from <laughs> oh. from real life. Oh, work. Yeah, yeah. you got to power through it, buddy. Real life. All right. So Greg's two team tees: the under and the Jets and Pats forty nine and a half, teasing it up to. Pittsburgh, he's going to take at half a point. You might get to pick him out there at six, six and a half, depending on where you look. My two team tees of the week. I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. I was on them last week uh, against the New York Giants. They did everything I wanted. I know they're not going to be with Jerry Judy for this one, uh, but they're playing a Jacksonville Jaguars team that I just think right now is abysmal. Uh, They just got blown out by the Houston Texans. And while Lawrence did throw three touchdowns, he also threw three picks. And I think that Jacksonville is going to be in a lot of trouble this season because there's not a lot of talent surrounding him, least of which on the offensive line. Giants caught a break in the fact that they didn't have to deal with Bradley Chubb uh, in this one. I think Chubb is expected to play this week. And now it is a one o'clock game again for Denver. I think they did fly back uh, to Denver before going to Jacksonville. So it is a lot of travel on them. However, I think if you're going to buy the six points to get it to actually, I'm going to make this a seven point because of the second half. So you're going to get this to plus one for Denver. I, I, I think that they're going to come away with the win. I wouldn't be surprised. Bridgewater looks so good. I don't know if you heard, but Von Miller, Greg, was comparing Teddy Bridgewater's leadership to Peyton Manning being on the team. And I was like, that is some really freaking high praise. And the throws he made against the Giants, I mean, like you can say what you want about um about the Giants offense, Bridgewater made some really good throws against the team that has a a pretty good defense, in my opinion. So I'm going to roll with the Denver Broncos, take them plus a point. The second half, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. We're going to tease it down from 12 and a half to five and a half over the Houston Texans. Look, Houston is not a good team, (laughs) so much so that they were an underdog at home to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not going to be swayed by what I saw against the Jaguars because I think that they are a terrible team as well. And Cleveland is one of the best teams in the league in the AFC. They have a ton of talent. They gave Patrick Mahomes all the the fits he could handle. And we're just, I mean, I I don't know how Patrick Mahomes just throws the ball up and and Terry Kill is there uh, time and time again. He won a Super Bowl because of it. They won this game because of it. It's just absolutely insane. Um, but this this Cleveland team looks good all around. Short of a punter botching that snap, I don't see how they they let that one slip away either. Um, but yes, there are three phases of the game. 
I think we know about the Browns terrible record in openers over the last century. Um, this week, I think they get right against Houston. And I think this one is a blowout. So they're the second half of the parlay lay the five and a half. You got Denver plus one Cleveland minus five and a half. And I'm going to, I'm going to do a surprise pick for you because your Denver um, evaluation reminded me of something, which number one, I think Teddy Bridgewater's definitely a professional quarterback, right? So, I mean, he's shown he can be very competent within the league. I don't know about comparing him to Pete Manning. And I didn't le- do it. Listen, Von yeah, Miller just, did. Um, I'm, you know, I'm laughing at that a little bit. Tim Patrick over 46 and a half yards, mm. uh, receiving yards. I think he I had like a pretty, that. pretty good week. The, the first week there with Jerry Judy, he, you know, he, he seems kind of like a boring player, right? Everyone, nobody really mentions Tim Patrick, but he, you know, he does a, a you know, good job when he's out there every week. Um, so I like that. He's going to fill in, fill in well. Um, and, and I think pretty easily hit that over. I like that a lot. And also KJ Hamler, um, you know, what, would you have a number for him, Greg? I do. The, re- the reason I ask is because, uh, even though the game, I mean, the Broncos won pretty handily 27, 13, they fumbled once going in for a touchdown. Uh, and then the, they also had a wide open shot to KJ Hamler, which hit him in the hands that he dropped. He would have walked in for a touchdown. Uh, so, I mean, I think this game was even more lopsided than it seemed. I think Denver's the real deal this season. It's 33 and a half, but the difference is that Tim Patrick can catch the ball. And oh KJ yes. Hamler struggles. Yes. Well, I mean, he definitely did on that one, but I, I I like kind of both of those. I'm not gonna lie. You said it was 33 and a half. Mm-hmm. Despite that drop, he had three catches for 41 yards. Hamler. There you go. Last week. So uh I I might play over on both of those there. There's a lot of weapons. Interesting. <clears throat> it's gonna be interesting to see how they respond without Judy, though. He had six catches for 72 yards in that one. Cortland Sutton's gonna have to step it up. Just one catch for 14 yards last week. But I think the whole offense goes off against a very bad Jacksonville defense, as we saw as they gave up, what was it, 30, what they give up, 33 to the Houston Texans mm-hmm. last week? To the Houston I, Texans, I 37. I sure changed them. They gave up 37 points to the Houston Texans. Oh, boy, <laughs> this should be fun this week. <laughs> All right, so those are the picks. Any last add-ons you want to do, Greg? Nope. Just checking my... there. Nope. Tim Patrick. Over in yards, what was it? 44? 46.5. 46.5. And we're going over for Jonathan Taylor, 63 and a half yards rushing are our player props for the week. We've got two two-team teases. I'm going to buy the seven points. Take Denver plus one, Cleveland minus five and a half. I'm taking the seven because that five and a half is a key number to me. Greg is going with the under in the Jets and Pats, 49 and a half. And then he's taking the Steelers. You'll get him at Pickham or minus half a point. Our straight up plays for the week. I'm going with the Bills minus three and a half at Miami. The Colts plus three and a half at home against the Rams. Greg is going with the Vikings plus three and a half and over 32 and a half team total points for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Don't forget to check out the Instagram page. Chris Portente will put up the Wingfoot lock of the week over there. Make sure to check that out as well. And that wraps us up for week two, Greg. No drinks, no cocktails this week. 
Water, baby. Water. We're going H2O to stay hydrated. I got nobody to plug, but it didn't work out last week. So no more Terramana tequila for the season. I'm sorry. We'll have to find a new beverage sponsor. That will not show its face on this uh, pod, you know, for the foreseeable future. All right. Now let's hope the uh, Giants and Washington football team shut out each other for the remainder of the game. (laughs) And we'll talk to you next week when we've got plenty of winners on tap. For Greg Hoyle, for Chris Portente, working the Instagram feed. I'm Joe Masiri. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Wingfoot Locks. And remember, everybody, it's not whether you win or lose. It's whether or not you cover the spread. We'll talk to you next week. Happy football.